Welcome to the Redeemer Central podcast. Redeemer Central is a church community in Belfast seeking to practice the way of Jesus and work for the peace and good of our city. For more information, please visit RedeemerCentral.com. Amen, amen. Thank you. Um, it's so lovely to see such a full room, and it's even lovelier to think we all started with chocolate. So who found some of the Easter eggs? Did anybody? The kids had them hidden. Come on, hands up if you got one. Nice one, Keith. You deserved one. Can I just give a shout out to Keith McKnight? So Keith McKnight is a hero. Uh, we were invited uh, to an iftar meal last night with our friends, the Sudanese guys, and They said to us, it's Ramadan and we're going to eat together and celebrate. So we'll eat at sundown, 8.15. And if you want to fast, you start fasting at 04.57. Think about that. 04.57. So I graciously said, okay. Thinking, "Mm." hmm. Keith McKnight was up at half four, feeding his face and fasted (laughs) till quarter past eight last night get in. The rest of us stood behind him and bathed in the glory because, yeah, Rosie texted me at 11 and said, I broke, I've had a coffee. And I said, oh, Steve was at the airport and brought me back a croissant, game over. So, um, so yes, that was last night. Okay, so I feel really privileged to talk to you this morning on Easter Sunday, um, the culmination of a long and holy week, and I hope that you have spent some time this week looking at the story and thinking about where you are in the story. And I suppose what I want to say at the beginning today is that the resurrection of Jesus is not an edict or a summons, but it's an invitation. And it's an invitation to know the secret humming that underlies everything in creation, that there is always life after death. There is always life after death. It is a spiritual principle and there is life after death in all created things. And death is never, ever the end. And so as we've walked through Holy Week, I wonder who you might identify with or connect with in the story. There's so many characters, so many things that have happened this week. And I wonder if we could just pause for a minute before we think about the events of today and think, where might you be if you were to place yourself in the story? Maybe you're the centurion who watched Jesus on the cross, and you're watching the ways of Jesus, and you're not yet believing, but you're kind of starting to wonder, who is this guy? What does he mean to me? What might he mean to me? Maybe you're Mary, the mother of Jesus. (laughs) Maybe you're a mom or a parent this morning, And you're grieving over your child or the child that you hoped you would have. Maybe there's nothing you would do to take your child off the cross that they're currently on. Maybe that's where you are in this story this morning. Maybe you're Pilate. You believe all the stuff, but you're into judgment. You're into the law. You're into what's right and what's wrong. Maybe you're sitting in a holy Saturday. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe that's where you find yourself in the story of Holy Week this week. You're fearful, you're unsure, you're sad, you're silent. 
Maybe you're the woman at the tomb. Maybe you're in the tomb all of your own making. Maybe you've created walls of protection around yourself because of harm or experiences. And the question to you this morning is, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Maybe it's time to come out of your tomb. Maybe it's time. Maybe you're the, like the disciples, the guys we're going to talk about this morning, the disciples on the Emmaus Road. Do our expectations of the Lord stop us from seeing him in our midst? Are you walking away from everything that you believed in? Are you disappointed? Are you disenchanted? Are you hopeless? And you're thinking, I'm done with it all and I'm heading back home. And there's real hope for you this morning if that's where you are. Because in many ways, we all walk Emmaus roads all the time. But maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you're Judas. Maybe you love Jesus, but you love money, power, status more. And following his sacrificial ways is just too hard. Maybe you're Mary Magdalene, one of my favorite characters. One of the women who fell in love with Jesus. Healthy, redeeming, beautiful love. This man, she was the last at the cross, the first at the tomb. She, perhaps you're like Mary Magdalene. You've never been loved by a man who has made you whole. By such a man who treats you with dignity, equality. He will never shame you. He will celebrate your womanhood. He will name you in a culture that leaves you silent. And there's never a power struggle. Maybe you're that woman this morning. Maybe you're a faithful disciple. Maybe you're following, learning, developing, and you're becoming more like Jesus. Maybe this morning you feel like, actually, I'm the thief on the cross. I'm very aware of all the mess that I am in. I am very deeply ashamed of who I am. I know the mess I've made of things and I know that I will get what I deserve. And what does the Lord say to the thief on the cross? Today you will be with me in paradise. Maybe that's your story this morning. That you think it's over. That you think you can never be redeemed. And his word to you this morning is today you will be with me in paradise. Maybe the only person in the story today that you can identify is Jesus with him, Jesus himself. He's on the cross, the night before the cross. God himself, who felt the absence of God. Where are you? You have left me. You have abandoned me. And if Jesus, who was God made man, felt abandoned and left by God and couldn't see God, I guess that's kind of freeing for us who might feel that in these days. And so in these moments, I want you just to think, if I had to place myself and identify myself in the story of this last week, where might it be? And what is the Lord saying to me? Because today, Easter Sunday, we come to this day as the followers of Jesus, not with optimism that's fluffy and meaningless, but with a defiant hope that God is still writing my story. It is not the end of my story. That a light shines into my darkness, into your darkness. And the God that, that we have, the hope that he offers us, is what I would like to call a gritty hope. 
it's a hope that has substance because it is a love for a God who experienced birth and life and disappointment and fear and love and suffering and death and yet, and yet he is risen. So this morning, I want us to listen to the story of today, the Easter Sunday story. I want us to listen to it slowly. Lisa is going to read it for us. And I want you to listen to the story of this day, the day of hope after the devastation of Good Friday and the silence of Holy Saturday. And so as Lisa reads it, I'd maybe invite you to close your eyes because the story itself is so powerful and so beautiful that if we close our eyes, we shut off all the natural distractions that we get drawn to, not least our phones. Sometimes I wonder, are people reading the passage on the phone or are they actually updating Instagram? Always the Bible. Bible. You're the very man that told me. You preached really well today. I didn't look at Instagram once. So. (laughs) So, noted. (laughs) I took that as a major compliment. I kept Jamie Trimble off Instagram. So, this morning, we're going to read... The women are at the tomb. They have never left the side of Jesus, this man that they deeply, deeply loved. And we're going to hear the story. So maybe I'd invite you to pause and to close your eyes and allow the story to speak to you. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the, the, the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he, he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to the, on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two followers heading away from everything that they had known. Jerusalem represented their faith, their church, their community, their hopes, and they were walking away disappointed, angry, scared. What they had hoped for and believed in had disappointed them. It's the road that I would suggest we all walk at times, or perhaps you're walking it right now. If you've ever lost someone or something, and your grief and your anger and your disappointment consumes you so much that you cannot see right in front of you. Frederick Buchner puts it so beautifully, Emmaus, the place where we all go in order to escape a bar, a movie, whatever it is, we throw up our hands and say, let the whole thing go hang. It makes no difference anyway. Emmaus is where we go when the, where these two went to try and forget about Jesus and the great failure of his life. And Emmaus is always whatever we do or wherever we go 
to make ourselves forget that the world holds nothing sacred. And I love the fact that I think we all go there. We maybe are there at the minute. And Jesus was right there with them in their disappointment. They just didn't see him for who he was. They only saw him in retrospect. And doesn't that happen so often in life that life only makes sense when we look back? And sometimes we can't see the ways of Jesus in our lives in the here and now. And it's only when we pause and look back that we see his beauty and his life. Barbara Brown Taylor, it'll come up behind me, the blindness of the two disciples does not keep their Christ from coming to them. He does not limit his post-resurrection appearances to those who had full confidence in him. Jesus comes to the disappointed, the doubting, the disconsolate. He comes to those who don't know their Bible, who do not recognize him even when they're walking right beside him. He comes to those who, have think, who thought they have given up and headed back home. That is the Jesus that we love. That is the Jesus who has risen today and we celebrate. The one who is right beside us wherever we are, whatever is going on. And perhaps that is you this morning. Often we're blinded. The disciples talked all day to this man, to this guy that they just thought they talked about it, they listened to him. He explained everything. He told them the whole story of God. And that's what happens when we're trying to work things out. We gather the information we let it settle in our hearts or in our heads. You digest it and then finally the truth emerges. And when they're sitting down at the meal that night, suddenly they see who he is. He reveals himself. I don't know why, maybe wonder why he never revealed himself up till that point. But it, there was something so sacred and beautiful when they sat down to eat together that Jesus suddenly became known to them and they saw him for who he actually was. And I wonder, do we not see the work or the ways of Jesus in our lives because we're not actually looking? Or we've got so blinded by what's going on or what we've been told that we forget he is right there. He is right there with us. And so this story this morning, you've got the woman at the tomb and they go back and they tell everyone they don't believe it. You've got two disciples, Cleopas and one other, we don't know his name, and they're walking away, they're done, it's over. They think they don't belong anymore. They thought what they thought was happening wasn't going to happen. And Jesus it walks with them and right, is right there with them, restores them, and together they go back. And I just I want to say that if you're on a journey or you've been on a journey where you've been away from God, you don't need to regret that journey because that journey adds a layer to your life and a layer to who you are. And you should never regret any of it because it is all grace. And that as you find Jesus again and you return, you return more whole, more rounded and more of a follower, a passionate follower of him. The moments in my life where I've thought, None of it makes sense anymore. The things I thought I believed don't make sense. The way I thought my life would go doesn't make sense. Where is Jesus? And it is in those moments when I look back that I saw him at his most beautiful. 
I saw him at his most redemptive. I saw him at his most invitational. And I love, I'm a big fan of Frederick, as you would now know. Listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and the pain of it. No less than in the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the final analysis, all moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. Life itself is grace. And so this morning, I just want to end with this. I want to end with the table. Because that is where Jesus was made known to these guys. And when we eat at the table, when we eat together, we bring Jesus right into the midst of it. And when I was thinking about this morning, Jonathan Martin has written a beautiful, beautiful book called The Road Away from God. And I want to just finish with a quote from him. But he talks about how the journey to Emmaus is so significant and important. Um, I found it, I, I, th- I heard him preach on it before he wrote the book, and I have to say I found it life-changing. Because <laughs> I was at a point in my life a few years ago where I was disappointed and confused and sad, and there was a lot going on, and I wasn't quite sure. And I was wondering about church and everything that was happening, and I heard him preach and remind me that as you think you're walking away, he's right there with you. And he invites you back. And he invites you back. And I want to finish with this quote for the table this morning. And it comes from his book, and I love it. If anyone has ever made you feel unwelcome in a sacred space, they do not get to set the agenda for the rest of your life. There is permission to be new, to be part of something new, and to grow something new. When the time is right. When the time is right. And so this morning, I just want to end with that and invite you to think that as we come to the table of Jesus, all are welcome. He wants to sit with us all. And what would it mean to you today, to each one of you today, to set aside, to return, and to think, I would like to sit down with Jesus right now. What would he say to me? What would he say to me? And so that is where I want to end. I want to invite you that if you are on an Emmaus road, he is right with you and something beautiful will emerge. If you are any of those other people that I mentioned in the story, in lots of ways, if we think about every last one of them, there were points in their lives where they turned away and the invitation is always to return to return and be welcomed and be restored and to celebrate he is risen, he is risen indeed. Our children have been working with their brilliant leaders and they have done a whole thing on the table. They've written a liturgy, they're going to explain it to us and read it to us and then they're going to serve us communion. And during, as, we, as you come to celebrate communion, we are going to sing and worship this risen Jesus who invites us back to the table and back to him. In Redeemer Kids, we've been learning about communion. Sometimes it's called the Lord's Supper. Here we call it the table.
we take part in communion together, we have the chance to do three important things. Think, remember, and be community. Us kids are going to help you growing up to do these three things today. First, think. Sometimes, when people take communion, they like to think about their own lives first. Have you been kind recently? Have you shown love? Is there anything we're so sorry for? Let's take five minutes to think about that. Second, remember. Let's remember who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Here are some of the things we like to remember about Jesus at Redeemer Kids. Say these with me. He is kind. He loves us. He is our friend. He listens to us. He is a special king, but he is also humble. He is the son of God. Let's take a moment to remember the things we love about Jesus. The third thing communion helps us be is a community. At Redeemer, we are like a big family. Right across the world, there are lots of people in churches like ours. It's so special to remember that we are all part of God's big family. Next, take a moment to practice being community. Turn to the person next to you and give them a high five. High five. High five. Okay. Your turn. Then Jesus picked up some bread and broke it. He gave it to his friends. He picked up a cup of wine and thanked God for it. He poured it out and shared it. My body is like this bread. It will break, Jesus told them. This cup of wine is like my blood. It will pour out. But this is how God will rescue the whole world. My life will break and God's broken world will, need, will mend. My heart will tear apart and your heart will heal. Just as the Passover lamb died, so now I will die instead of you. My blood will wash away all of your sins and you'll be clean on the inside of your, in your hearts. So whenever you eat and drink, remember, Jesus said, I've rescued you. Now it's time to take this special meal together. Come forward and take bread and wine. Thank you. 